This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. In the biblical accounts of the crucifixion of Jesus, at least two of the Gospels record a simple and yet very significant detail. Jesus was brought to the place of his crucifixion, Golgotha, or the place of the skull. Before Jesus was nailed up on the cross, or actually before the nails were driven into his hands and feet on the ground, and then the cross piece was elevated to the upright position, Jesus was first offered something to drink, to to deaden the pain and to dull his senses. He was offered a wine mixed with a drug called myrrh or gall. And both Matthew and Mark record in their gospel accounts that Jesus refused to take it. Now, in one sense, you may think this is a rather minor detail to lift out of the scriptures and to base a whole sermon on. The heart of this message of Jesus is really the story of God and man, evil and redemption, sin and salvation. Yet in another sense, this seemingly minor detail in the crucifixion story is very significant for our time because it illustrates the way in which Jesus personally handled one of the most complex problems of our day, the use of these substances called drugs. Now, at the very outset, let me clarify one thing. I'm not saying this morning that any drug that a person consumes is a sin. God gives us competent medical people, men and women. He gives us researchers. He gives us people who can produce certain drugs. And as I have many times said, drug use is good. Drug abuse is is where we have a problem. So let's be aware through the rest of these few minutes that we spend together here, I'm not speaking against any kind of drug whatsoever. But I think maybe I don't need to take up time this morning to underscore the fact that this matter of drug dependence is a problem for many of us today. I do not like to think of myself as an alarmist, nor do I take any joy in crying wolf But anybody who is even slightly aware of the realities of life today will know that this problem is one that can potentially affect any family in our church or our community. We have on our hands a crisis in our nation. Being in the geographical area that we are affords an influx of greater degree of illegal drugs than some other places might have. Nor is this problem confined to illegal drugs. These drugs which are legally purchased are far more of a problem to our society than illegal drugs may be. Some time ago, I heard a local physician address a group on this particular subject. He stated that there's one drug which is more devastating on society and on the human body than all the other drugs combined. You know what that might be? In terms of the consequences of the use of this drug, we're seeing in America that the results of this one drug far surpasses all others combined. 
Have you guessed what that drug is? Beverage alcohol. Yes, it is legal and its use is widespread. Some refuse to call it a drug, referring to, uh, you hear the phrase, alcohol and drugs, as if alcohol were not a drug. I'm amazed at the imbalance our nation has placed on some medical situations we've had within the past number of years. For example, AIDS, Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. The, the medical community rallied to try to find an answer to the AIDS problem. Same thing when we have a pandemic comes along. COVID, everybody sees, tries to find out what can we do to eradicate this horrible disease. Uh, what about the disease of chemical dependency, though? I'm not saying we should stop all research and seeking a cure for COVID. What amazes me is the fact that we have a nation, uh, national health obsession about a comparatively smaller disease, while an old disease, which is far more devastating, is largely overlooked. Alcohol use uh, damages in many respects the immunity mechanisms of the physical body. The body's defense against disease is weakened. Yet here we are pouring multiplied millions of dollars in trying to find a cure for one disease, while another disease of far greater proportion goes untreated with many of its victims. A former president of our nation once said that the drug problem is primarily a spiritual problem at heart. I think he's right. I believe that there is no recovery possible for drug addiction without a spiritual dimension in that recovery. It's at this very point that we can look to our Savior Jesus and see something in his life which can help us in our lives. In the face of real agony that Jesus was just about to enter, Dying, on a, uh, dying a horrible death on a cross, Jesus refused to drug his senses. There are several questions that face us here. Why did Jesus do this? Where did he get the strength to act in such a way? How can what he did help us with something that's a temptation to us all and a menace to our society? Well, before we can answer these questions, perhaps we ought to step backward and look at another question. Just what is it that prompts a person to get interested in some kind of drug that is so damaging to the person spiritually, physically, and in so many other ways? The improper use of drugs can begin for any number of reasons, whatever the age of the person may be. It could start because of peer pressure, such as the desire to be accepted, to be like everybody else, or it could be out of curiosity or maybe because of ready availability, or maybe some other reasons. But there's one general observation that we can make about the person who begins using drugs, legal or illegal. There is a dis dissatisfaction with life as it is. For example, here's a person who's unhappy with his actual life situation. Maybe he doesn't like some circumstance he's in, or perhaps he doesn't want to face some painful situation in the future. He remembers that through a drug, some mood-altering substance, he can find escape from these unpleasant realities of life. Now, this escape can come in different ways. 
there are those drugs which stimulate the user. These drugs called amphetamines, cocaine, and others cause increased motor activity, increased alertness, decreased appetite, increased body temperature, increased respiration and heart rate, increased blood pressure, and the like. These stimulants give the feeling of expanding the consciousness and heightening one's awareness, the ability to experience sensation. In short, these drugs, these stimulants, speed things up. But on the other hand, there are some drugs that are called sedatives or depressants, which do the opposite of stimulants. These sedative drugs include alcohol, barbiturates, benzodiazepines such as Valium, Librium, Transine, Xanax, and many, many others. These sedative drugs reduce consciousness and lessen awareness, enable one to forget and to block out unpleasant things, grandly ignoring what is distasteful in life. But both of these kinds of drugs have the same basic result. They enable a person to be separated from reality, from life as it actually is. They give some kind of change of mood, either up or down, at least temporarily. Now, if you're still with me thus far in the sermon, I'm sure you are aware of the fact that I am not speaking this morning just about youth who may be trying out drugs as we think of them but also of the person who takes that social drink or the private drink or even that prescription medicine on a regular basis to calm the nerves or for whatever reason. In a very real sense, this is also part of the drug problem. Don't forget that Jesus was not offered an injection in his veins. He was offered a drink. I'm convinced that the root problem behind this practice of drug dependence is really a problem with life itself. There's a dissatisfaction with the way life is, a disconnect with one's circumstances or actual life situation. When life is too boring, too empty, too drab, then the stimulant kind of drug offers a way to speed things up and make things happen. It sends a person on a trip into a realm of the unreal. On the other hand, if life as it is becomes too much, too painful, too ugly, too fast, then the sedative kind of drug offers a way for a person to be a dropout on life temporarily and just forget it all. Now, if you're asking yourself how this is a spiritual problem, it's just this. When it gets down to the business of how you feel about yourself, about life, about other people and events, this has bearing on the source of all these things, God himself. It all boils down to a matter between the person and God. And this is a spiritual problem. This morning, if we can take a closer look at Jesus and what he did in relation to the problem of drugs in his life, then perhaps we can find grace to help us in time of need. You see, Jesus was not just the divine Son of God only, but in addition, he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. The drug problem in our nation is a relatively recent phenomenon. 
But Jesus faced this even in his life. Why did Jesus refuse to take this sense-deadening drug? Well, surely it was not because he was some neurotic who liked to suffer. It was not because he found the prospects of crucifixion to be inviting. We know that Jesus dreaded that event like any other normal person would have. In the garden, Jesus earnestly prayed to be spared from the crucifixion. However, when he knew that this was the Father's will, then Jesus had the faith to know that God makes no mistake. Thus, Jesus was willing to face life as it is. Do you see the contrast here between the attitude of Jesus and others now who are unwilling to face life as it is? What's the main objection that we hear today against drug dependency? Isn't it something like this? Oh, you shouldn't get mixed up in that. You just never know what it'll do to you physically. It can damage your body for life. And so goes the argument. Jesus did not refuse the drugs on these grounds. His body was about to be destroyed anyhow. His refusal to drink the wine mixed with myrrh was not based on some puritanical reasoning. Likewise, today, there ought to be a deeper reason for refusing any kind of drugs rather than because your Sunday school teacher says it's bad for you or your parents or, or the preacher. When Jesus said no to drugs, he was really saying yes to life as it is. Events in life, pure and unvarnished, are the ways in which God works. And it's so hard for us to understand this truth. We have a way of thinking that things like pain and tragedy and trouble are totally evil. And likewise, we think that pleasure and success and happiness are totally good. But Paul says that God works in all things for the good, for those who love God, those whom he has called according to his purpose. Can you hear the Spirit of God trying to tell you something this morning? Pain, tragedy, trouble, unpleasant experiences, hard circumstances in life, these are not things we should try to run away from or even pretend that they are not there. These are a real part of life. And when we really trust God, then we can accept life as it really is, even when it may not be of our own choosing. A lady was waiting in a doctor's office to get regular shots for her three robust boys before school started. She sat there in the waiting room while her three boys were here, there, and everywhere, running and jumping around. And across the room in a corner sat a little girl with two crutches by her side. One leg was in a brace, but she had a smile on her face. When the girl caught the attention of the lady, she struck up the conversation by saying, I'm going to walk without my crutches. The doctor just told me so. He told me that I could walk without my crutches in a few weeks. And I'm so happy I just can't wait. Just then, the door to the doctor's office opened, and out came a mother, followed by a little boy. The lady in the waiting room looked at the mother and then at the little boy, and her heart went out to them both, for the little boy's hand was withered, and it dangled hopelessly by his side. 
as the little boy and the mother walked over to the girl with the crutches, the lady thought to herself, Oh, no, God, you didn't give one mother two of them. But all three went out of the waiting room together, laughing. As the lady who had witnessed all this was called into the doctor's office next with her boys, she remarked to the doctor about how sad it was to see this woman with two afflicted children. The doctor then said to the lady, Now wait just a minute. Before your boys come in here, I want you to sit down. I want you to listen to me. One day, a young girl was visiting her mother in the state hospital. A boy was also there to visit his father in the same state hospital. These two young people met. They fell in love with each other, and they were married. Later, they came to me and talked with me about starting their own family. After talking for a while, they told me, Doc, we want you to find us a little girl. We want to adopt her. At this point, the doctor's voice grew, grew husky as he related the story. He said to the lady, are you listening to me? He continued, that young woman smiled at me and said, Doctor, don't find us a beautiful, healthy, lovely young girl. Find us one with a handicap, one that some other parents might not take. We know what handicaps are with both of our parents. We like to have one with a handicap and a real challenge in life, and we like to give her a chance. The doctor concluded by saying to this woman, I couldn't find them a girl, but I found the boy for them. They found the little girl themselves. That was the family you just saw leave my office. When we can come to the place of trusting God and accepting life as it is, then we will learn that we don't have to try to find a thousand ways to escape life. When Jesus knew there was a Father God at work in all events, he did not have to escape. His yes to God's will was the real secret to his no to the drugs. That same source of strength that Jesus drew from is available to you and me today. That source God himself. When we say yes to God's will for us, then we don't have to move away from life by trying to escape into a different realm. Rather, we can move toward life. And even in the struggles of life, as we face them realistically, we can find the blessings of God. In the summer of 1934, the famous theologian Reinhold Niebuhr was vacationing at his summer cottage near Heath, Massachusetts. As often happened, he was invited to conduct the service one Sunday in a small church nearby. He accepted the invitation, and at the end of his sermon that Sunday morning, he offered a brief prayer which he had written. Following the service, a man came up to the preacher and said he'd been particularly impressed by that closing prayer today. He wondered if he could get a copy of it. According to the reports, Niebuhr offhandedly reached into his Bible and got out a crumpled sheet, sheet of paper and said to the man, Here, take this prayer. I, I have no further use for it. Those words proved to be a monumental miscalculation. That man who received the prayer used it as his Christmas card the following Christmas. 
and it was picked up from there. And today that prayer has probably become the best love, most widely known prayer of our day. The simple prayer is only 25 words. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I don't know of a better prayer than this to help us deal with drugs as Jesus did or with life itself. Oh God, help us to trust Jesus, to follow his example. We cannot do all the miracles he did, but we can take a lesson from what he did just before his death on the cross. Help us, oh God, to know that you're right there, ready to help us to face life head on, whatever comes our way, knowing that we're not alone. Thank you for that wonderful truth, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.